Let's go to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26. I was really praying for the Lord to give me a word that did not involve vultures or something crazy. And as I read Genesis 26, I really thought about not only my life, but I really thought about our church. Genesis chapter 26, verse 1 through 3. It says, A severe famine now struck the land, as it had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land. I will be with you, and I will bless you. And I hereby confirm that I will give all this land to you and your descendants, just as I promised Abraham your father. And I want you to jump over to verse 12. Remember, this is during a famine. The Bible says in verse 12, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he had planted. For the Lord blessed him. He became very a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. But notice what the Bible says. That year, Joseph planted his crops and he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. And I could not find a better title than this. I got you covered. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Enable me to speak your truth right now, Lord, and enable us to hear, to understand, and apply to our lives. We thank you for this Sunday morning. I pray that you would bless us with your word now as we celebrate 13 years of your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, you guys can have a seat. As we get into this word of God today, I want to welcome you for joining us this morning. And I want to welcome you for joining us online as well. Genesis chapter 26, Isaac is in a severe famine. And God tells him to stay where he's at and do the impossible. I want you to plant a seed during a famine. And you don't have to know much about farming to know you never plant a seed during a a famine. But as I read that verse, I read this story, I wasn't really thinking much about it. But I was thinking about this year, this new year coming up right now. And already, the year has, has barely started. I think we're two, three weeks into this year. And I don't know about you, but I already have stress, problems, and a lot of craziness going on. How many of you would agree with me if that's your life right now? The year just started, and already you have stress, you have anxiety, you have pressure, you have all of these things. You sound just like that baby right now. You just cry and cry and cry. If that's you today, would you show me your hand? Say, Pastor, that's me. All right. Most of us here, the year hasn't started yet. So I was thinking about this, and I was going through a lot this week, and a lot of things with the church and people and stress. And I was in my kitchen. And I was preparing food for dinner and I was preparing food for the dogs. And what I like to do is I like to slow cook some chicken and have it for the week so I can give it to the boys and give it to our, you know, myself and my wife. We cook that way. And I was, as I was making this chicken in the kitchen, with all the stress going on, I decided to put the chicken inside a bowl. I was done already. And with all the stress and everything that I was going through that week, I decided while I was cooking to also help my wife out who wasn't home yet and do the dishes. But here's the problem. As I was doing the dishes, I didn't realize that I put the bowl of chicken in the sink with the dishes. And I turned on the water and I walked away for a moment. And all of a sudden it hit me that the water was on, the chicken was in the bowl, And instantly, in my mind, I knew I ruined the chicken. True story. I knew that I ruined dinner. I knew that all of a sudden this happened. I don't know what I was thinking. I was worried. I was hungry. 
I was afraid of my wife coming home saying, how could you have messed up dinner? How are the dogs going to eat? What are we going to eat? How are we going to survive? I was disappointed. All these different types of emotions came over me for a moment. There was a fear. But all of a sudden, that fear was instantly gone. Because when I looked at the sink, this is the exact bowl I put it in. I realized that I had covered it. And even though the water was falling on this chicken, even though the sink was running, that chicken was okay. For a moment, I was stressed out. For a moment, I was worried. I was disappointed, wondering what's going to happen. But when I looked and I saw that it was covered, all of my fear went away. All of my anxiety was gone. Because I realized that no matter how much water fell on that chicken, because it was covered, it was okay. And when I looked at that, I kept staring at that. And it's almost like God was impressing in my heart, David, that's what I'm doing in your life. You're stressed, you're worried, you have all of this pressure, you have all of these questions, you're wondering what's going to happen, you have all of these problems right now, and the church people you're pastoring, they're feeling the same way. You guys have stress in your life, you have worry in your future, you have anxiety when you go to bed, you're wondering what's going to happen, you're worried, you're afraid, you're discouraged, you're disappointed, and you're thinking what's coming up next, and all of these emotions are coming up into your heart and into your minds. And all of us are living with distress that God does not want you to live with. And understand that when we look at what God is doing in our lives, God is literally saying, I have you covered. I have you covered. I have you covered. And no matter what happens, no matter what gets dumped on you, no matter what gets poured into your life, because I have you covered, you are going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You see, when that chicken was in the sink, my imagination went wild. And in my mind, I thought the chicken was ruined. But it was covered. What a picture of what God does in our lives. God says, I cover you. So no matter what happens, no matter what trouble you face, this is a picture of what faith looks like. Faith is not knowing that God's going to get you out of trouble. You know, we think that because we're serving God, it means that trouble's never going to come. Oh, because we go to church, we're never going to go through problems. But nowhere in the Bible does God even promise that. But what God does promise is that no matter what we go through, He'll cover you. In fact, look at what Psalm 46, 1 through 2 says. And this is the verse that I've lived by for these 13 years in this church. God is our what? Our refuge. That word refuge literally means our cover. To go under when you need protection. God says, I am your cover. I am your strength. Always ready to help you in times of trouble. See, God says, I'm your cover. But it doesn't mean that trouble is not going to come. In fact, God says that when trouble comes, I'm here to help you because I am your refuge. Because I am covering you. I have you covered, but it doesn't mean trouble won't come. But because God is covering us, when trouble does happen, when problems do occur, God says in Psalm 46 verse 10 now, He says this, So we will not fear. Be still. Everyone say that with me. Be still and know that I'm God. 
Be still and know that I'm God. Now let's read this whole thing again. Verse 1 and 2 again. God is our refuge. God is our strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquake comes, when mountains crumble into the sea. So be still and know I'm God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. I want you to notice something here. God says, I have you covered. I'm your refuge. And when trouble comes, I don't want you to be afraid because you know that I have you covered. So no matter what problems come, and your imagination runs wild, and you feel like your life like the chicken is ruined, it's over, it's hopeless, God says, because I have you covered, you have no reason to fear. In fact, God paints a picture of the worst case scenario. Because some of you right now, you have the worst case scenario haunting you. You have the worst case scenario robbing you of your sleep. You have the worst case scenario causing you to panic. And God says in verse 2, he plays this game with us with the worst case scenario. He says, if the earth falls apart, if the mountains give way, if the ocean collapses, see, God is saying the worst case scenario, even if the entire world, God says, falls apart, I still want you to be still. I still want you to know that I'm God. God is God when your world falls apart. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but maybe you're here and something has happened in your life that your world feels like it's falling apart. And God says, even if the world will fall apart, I still want you to be still and know that I'm God. God is God when you're hurt. God is God when you're lost. God is God when you're sick. God is God when you've been lied to. God is God when you've been fired. God is God when you have cancer. God is God when your children leave home. God is God no matter what you go through. And God says, I need you to know that I'm God. And if I'm God, nothing is going to stop the work I'm doing into your life. When I read this verse, the first day I started the church, I was in the bathroom of that movie theater, afraid for my future, afraid. What was I thinking? God, I can't do this. I'm only in my early 20s. I have no experience. And we're opening up an English church in the middle of 49th Street. How more Cuban can it get than 49th Streets? Oh, 29th Street. <laughs> Good point. And I thought to myself, what are we going to do? When I opened that Bible, to Psalm 46. It said, be still. And I said, well, God, does that mean do nothing? But see, the word be still literally means to let go. But see, that's the problem because a lot of us love control. A lot of us can't let go of things. But God says, if you want to see me work in your life, you need to let go. If you want to see me work in that area in your life, you need to let go. If you need to see God work in any trouble in your life, you need to let go and surrender to the Lord. You need to let go. No matter if your world falls apart, God says, let go. You let go, 
Even if a loved one has died and you don't understand, you let go when you've gone through a breakup with someone you thought you'd marry. You let go when you've gone through a divorce. You let go when you go through sickness. You let go. And you trust God. God has us covered. It doesn't mean that problems won't come. It doesn't mean that pain won't happen. But it does mean that God is faithful to finish what he started. God is faithful to finish his plan. God is able to still do a miracle. But you need to learn the principle of being still. When I think back about the 13 years as a church, we've obeyed. We've trusted God. We've gone through hard times, amen? We've gone through times that we doubted if we were going to make it. And every anniversary, we might think, oh, no big deal, a little anniversary. No, every anniversary, I can tell you, not many churches celebrate every anniversary of their church. They celebrate the huge milestone. The first year, the 10th year, the 25th, the 50th. Why does Forward celebrate every year? Because every year at Forward is a milestone. Every year at Forward is a miracle. Every year at Forward has only been a year because of God's grace and mercy and provision. And that's why we celebrate 13 years. Because when I look back at the 13 years of the church, I'm able to look back and realize that moments in my life that I was scared, moments in our lives that we doubted, moments in our lives that we thought it was over. Those were moments in my life that I realized God always had us covered. God always had a plan. And no matter what we've gone through, and no matter what you're going through now in your personal life, no matter what has you worried, what has you afraid, whatever you feel is about to be ruined and over, God has you covered. That's why this story spoke to me. Because in verse 1 and 2 of Genesis, the Bible says there was a great famine. The Bible says there was a severe famine now that struck the land as it happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, don't go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Now let me explain what's happening here because here the people are going through a severe famine. There's no rain, no food, no water. The people are struggling. The people are dying. They're not surviving. And everyone, including Isaac, decides we're going to go to Egypt. We're going to go to Egypt where it's a lot more comfortable. We're going to go to Egypt where it's easier. We're going to go to Egypt where everyone's going. And as Isaac is making his plans to go to Egypt, as he's getting his bags packed and his family ready to go to Egypt, God interrupts his plans. Because understand something about God. He will interrupt your plans. And as he interrupts Isaac's plans, he says, don't go to Egypt. But trust me. See, everyone else is running away in the famine. Everyone else is giving up and going to Egypt. But God is challenging Isaac to remain faithful and say, Isaac, do you trust me to bless you? Do you trust me to provide for you? And even though everyone else is going to Egypt and everyone else is running away, Isaac, do you trust me enough to stay and plant? Do you trust me enough to plant and see me bless you? You see, when I looked at that, I realized at one point 13 years ago, I felt like Isaac. Isaac had a choice to either go to Egypt where it was easier and more comfortable or stay and trust God. Isaac had a choice. Do I go by what I feel? Do I go by what I see? God, 
I don't know if you see that there's a severe famine right now and there's no food, there's no water, there's no jobs. And God, I don't know if you understand this, but Egypt's a lot better. Egypt's a lot easier. Egypt's a lot more comfortable, God. And God says, I'm very aware of the famine you're in, but I'm also aware of the blessings I want to give you. Will you stay and trust me? So Isaac had a choice. Do I trust God or not? Because this is a choice all of us are going to have to make. Are you going to rely on your own understanding, do things your way in life, or are you going to trust God and see what He can do? Are you going to trust God and see what He's able to produce? Are you going to trust God and see miracles happen? And Isaac chose to follow God, to trust God. And I remember when the Lord impressed on my heart to start a church. And not just any church. An English church. Here in Miami. And let me tell you something about Miami if you don't know this. Dade County alone is the second most unchurched city in the nation. You want to talk about famine? Miami. It is spiritually dry. It is spiritually an empty city. It is spiritually a place where churches go to die. In fact, most of my graduating class in seminary that started off in Miami, they left. They left to the Bible Belt. Most of the friends that I had that studied, they're not here anymore. They're gone. And I trust that they felt from God and said, look, we're out of here. We're going to go where it's easier. And they went to different states where it's common to go to church every Sunday. It's common to be a part of a church. It's common. It's called the Bible Belt. If Miami were the Bible Belt, let me put it this way. It's the very last hole in the belt that you know you're never going to reach. You're never going to get to, so give up now. That's what it feels like when you're planting a church in Miami. And God's saying, David, what are you going to do? Are you going to go where it's easier? Go where it's comfortable? Go where everyone is going? Or are you going to trust me? And right there and then, I said yes to God along with my family. And we planted this church in a famine. We planted this church when it wasn't popular. We planted this church knowing that God can bless it. But it was hard. And as Isaac plants this seed, in verse 12, the Bible says that God blessed him a hundredfold more than what he had planted. How many of you want to see God do a hundred times better than you imagined? Do you want to see God bless you a hundredfold? See, everyone says yes. Everyone says amen. Everyone says yes. I want God to bless me a hundredfold. And God can. And if you want to be like Isaac and see God do miracles, you want to see God change your life, you want to see God do miracles and wonders and bless you a hundredfold, He can. But you have to understand something about this passage. There were three things that Isaac had to do to see God bless him a hundredfold. There were three things that Isaac did that God got to say, I can bless you a hundred times more over. And these are the three things that we do not want to do, but still want God to bless. So let me preach some truth this morning to you. The first thing that Isaac did to see God bless him a hundredfold. Number one, he abandoned his plans. He abandoned everything he had planned. Isaac was prepared to go to Egypt. Isaac was ready to go to Egypt because he thought that's what was best. 
Isaac said, let's go to Egypt, kids. Grab the family. Let's get the bags. Let's go to Egypt. It's easier. It's comfortable. It's better. We're going to Egypt. And in his mind, we're going to be in Egypt. We're going to live in Egypt. We're going to settle in Egypt. And God said, no. Can you trust God when he says no to your plans? Can you trust God when he closes the door of an opportunity you thought was great? Could you trust God when he doesn't bless a relationship and it ends up breaking up? Can you trust God when you don't get the job you wanted? Can you trust God when everything you thought would happen hasn't happened? Can you trust in the timing of God? Can you trust when your plans fail? Can you trust God when he says no? See, throughout my years, I have planned and I have pictured and I have imagined and God has told me no and no and no. And Isaac had to learn the principle of abandoning your plans and trusting in God. Look at verse 1 and 2 with me. A severe famine struck the land as it happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar where the Bimelech king of the Philistines lived. But notice what God tells him in verse 2. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Let me say it again. Do as I tell you. Say that with me. Do as I tell you. He is telling Isaac, I know you thought Egypt was the best way. I know you thought you'd be in Egypt by now. I thought, you know, I thought that your life would be easier in Egypt, but you see, when God says no, it's because he has a hundredfold waiting for you. When God says no, it's because he has something greater. When God says no, he has a blessing in store for you. But why is it that we fight God when he says no? Why is it that we fight God when we have our plans? But see, the first thing Isaac did was abandon all plans. The question is, why did Isaac want to go to Egypt? Why did Isaac want to go to Egypt so bad? Is it because it was bigger, it was better, it was nicer, it had more food? But notice in verse 1, the Bible says that his father went through a famine. And his father went to Egypt. And he thought that because it worked out for his father, it's going to work out for him. And this is sometimes the plans we have in our lives. We plan according to what has happened in someone else's life. And someone else got that job, so God has to give me that job too. And someone else got married at 24, so I have to get married at 24 too. And someone else, and God did this for them, and God did this for her, and God did this for him, so therefore God has to do it for me. And because God blessed Abraham in Egypt, he automatically thought that God was going to bless him in Egypt, so therefore I'm going to Egypt. But let this be a reminder to us that what God has done in the life of someone else He may not do for you. And God has a specific plan for your life. You are not called to be someone else. You are not called to live under someone else's umbrella. You are not called to be in someone else's shoes. You have been called to be the person that God Almighty has created you to be. You are not your father. You are not your mother. You are not your friends. You are no one but who God has created you to become. So is that moment Isaac says, okay, God, I'm not going to do what you did in my father's life. But I have to trust you for what you're going to do in mine. But see, the devil loves to put comparison into your life. And God did it for him. Why isn't he doing it for you? You know, the first time the devil put comparison in my mind as a pastor was a long time ago. It was the first year of our church. And I went down to Texas for a pastor's conference. When I went down there and saw all the pastors and talking to them, the first question every pastor always asks another pastor, can you guess what it is? 
And go ahead, Mom, say. How many members you have? I'm sitting in the temp in the table. This guy's saying, Oh, we're struggling. We got like three thousand. <laughs> Oh, I remember those years. We, we passed out already. We're at 5,000. What about you? And I'm like, <coughs> three, th- what? Th- 30. 30,000? Wow! No, no, no. 30. 30 people. Well, God bless you. And the devil was like, wait a minute, David. God grows their church. Not yours. It got worse. We got to the sanctuary and I saw the amazing lights and everything. You know what blew me away? Sounds crazy. The spotlights. I saw the spotlights and they were like so. Each spotlight was like five grand. Our first spotlight was a green Keebler can from crackers. You know the crackers? And when dad cut a hole in the back and put a light in, he goes, there's your spotlight. And every morning, Sunday morning in that theater, I had Keebler looking at me preaching. And that was my spotlight. You ever feel like God has just given you a little can? And he's giving everyone else amazing things. The devil does that to try to convince you that God has forgotten you. That God has abandoned you. That God cares about other people and not you. And I had to sit there and believe that that same God that blessed all these other pastors is the same God that I serve. And if God gave me 30 people for the rest of my life, I will pastor those 30 people to the best of my ability. And I told God, I am here for the plans you have for me. And the reason I have lived with peace and contentment is because I killed that demon of comparison the first year. I didn't have to be like any other pastor. I didn't have to be like any other church. Aren't you glad we're not like other churches? Aren't you glad we are our own? God has blessed us because we are true to ourselves. And my greatest advice to you today is be Come who God has created you to become. He told Isaac, you're not your father. I blessed him in Egypt, but I want to bless you here in Gerar. But here's a problem with Gerar. It's dry. It's empty. Just like forward sometimes. But in verse 2, God says, Number two, not only did Isaac abandon his plans, he obeyed God. God gave him the most simplest instructions, the same ones he gives you today. Do as I tell you. Do not do as you feel. Do not do as others are doing. Do not do based on what you see. Do not do based on what's going on. Do as I tell you. To be honest, a lot of you would not be in the trouble you're in or have been in had you simply done it God's way. Can I get an amen there at least? Have you simply done what God commanded you to do? Had you simply followed the word of God? God said to him, you have to do as I tell you. It made no sense. Planting a seed in Gerar during a famine made no sense. But here's the thing that God was teaching Isaac, what he wants to teach you this morning. God does not have to make sense for you to obey him. God does not have to make logical sense For you to say, okay, God, I get it, I understand. 
In fact, most of the times that God is going to command you to do something, it's going to make absolutely no sense logically whatsoever. And when God commanded me to plant a church in Miami, it made no sense. I didn't say, well, clearly this is going to make sense. Clearly a church needs to be planted here. When God called me and my family to plant a church here, it made absolutely no sense in the midst of a spiritual famine that was Miami. In fact, when Isaac went to go plant his seed, I guarantee people looked at him and said, what are you thinking? Why would you ever plant a seed in Gerar in the middle of a famine, Isaac? And all he said is, because God told me to. You know how many people ask me, why would you ever plant a church in Miami? Why would you ever plant a church in the middle of Hialeah? Why would you ever plant an English church where everyone speaks Spanish? Why would you ever plant a church? And for years, 13 years, the only logical thing I can tell people is because I know God told me to. I know God told me to. Makes no sense. They thought he was crazy. They thought it wouldn't work. And maybe that's what you feel in your life. What God is telling you to do makes no sense. But you have to trust the word of God. You might be feeling that there's a famine in your marriage and you just want to get divorced and God says, no, stay. Stay and work at it. God, that makes no sense. We fight all the time. We're not intimate. God, we haven't been together. God, it's hard. It's a struggle. It makes no sense. Divorce sounds easier. Egypt looked easier, but God said stay. You might feel like quitting your job because no one appreciates you. It's hard. It's difficult. It's impossible. God, I just want to leave. But what if God says stay there? But God, it makes no sense to stay in this job. Why? I can't tell you why, but all you have to do is what God says to do. God's going to tell you to forgive people that makes no logical sense to forgive. God's going to tell you to serve and give when it makes no logical sense to give and serve. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God will always make sense to us. But what the Bible does say is when you begin to fear the Lord and put His word first and trust and obey That is a person God can get behind. That is a person God can bless. That is a person God can use. And I want to know this morning, if you want to see a hundredfold blessing in your life, you need to have the dedication of Isaac. A dedication that says, I will abandon all my plans and trust in yours. I will do as you tell me to do and not by what I see or what I feel. I will trust you, God, and do as you say. So one, Isaac abandoned God's plan. He abandoned his plans and accepted God's. And two, he obeyed. See, part of the reason God can't bless you is disobedience. Can I hurt your feelings for a second? Thirteen years, I've seen a lot of dumb people. People that are crazy come to me. People that tell me with victim mentality, I'm mad at God. And I'm like, why? Well, if God is love, why did he do this? And why did he do that? And why did he allow this pain in my life? And why did he allow me to do this? Why why is God fair? Why is God faithful? I'm so mad at God. I've seen people say, oh, I used to be a Christian, but it did not work. Are you kidding me? Well, I served God, but I lost my job. I got sick. I done this. I did that. Everything was a mess, so I stopped serving God. But what they don't tell you is that that person lived in rebellion. That person lived in disobedience. That person chose not to put the Word of God first. So can you imagine... If I remove the cover with my chicken, 
and I wet it. And now the chicken gets ruined. Now the chicken is messy. It's a disaster. And I go and I say, I can't believe this bow. I can't believe this Tupperware. It didn't work. And I tell you right now, I'm going to go to Walmart, I'm going to return it, and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind and tell them I spent good money on this bowl, and it didn't work, it let me down, my chicken's ruined, I lost dinner, and I've been stressed out trying to find out what I'm going to cook. I can't believe I trusted this bowl, I bought this bowl, this bowl didn't work out. And what would you tell me? You didn't cover it. So how is this bow supposed to work for you when you don't do your part and cover it? See, it's so easy for us to blame God for the mess in our lives. It's so easy to blame God for the disaster that has called your life. It's so easy for you to look at everything that's ruined, everything that's hopeless, everything that's difficult, and say, where is God? Where is God? My question to you is, where were you? See, if you want to live under the cover of God, you have to get under His authority. That's what obedience looks like. That's what it means to be under the authority of God. It's to say, God, no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, I'm going to go under you in obedience. And when God sees that you are under him in obedience to his word, God will cover you and bless you. But you cannot expect God to cover you and bless you when you're living outside of the authority of God's word, when you're living in habitual sin, when you're living with someone you're not married to, when you're living out in the world and you're living in, you know there's sin in your life. And you say, well, God, I know that I'm not living right, but I still want you to bless me. And God says no. And it's sad because in 13 years of being a pastor, I've seen so many people ruin their lives. Because they refuse to live under the authority of God's word. But see, Isaac said, I'm not only going to abandon my plans and trust you, God. I'm simply going to do as you say and obey you. And I'll close with this in verse 12. The third one. Isaac abandoned all plans. Isaac said, I'm going to do as you say. It doesn't make sense to me. It sounds crazy. But Isaac believed God that he would bless him. So number one, abandon your expectations and plans and trust in God. Abandoning your expectations and plans means, Lord, if it doesn't work out, I trust it's for a reason. Two, obey God and submit to his authority. Do as he says. And in 13 years of being a church, we've gone through harder seasons and greater seasons. We've gone through harder times and better times. But in every season, we said we're going to do what God tells us to do. We abandoned all plans and trusted in God. All expectations we trusted in God. And as a church and as a pastor, I declared, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. Do as you say. I'm not going to follow the crowd. I'm not going to follow what I think it's right, what I feel is right. I'm going to follow your word. And if you would choose to live your life in that type of fear and respect for the Lord, there's no telling the hundredfold blessing God can give you. And in verse 12, Isaac planted. Isaac got his seeds. 
in the middle of a famine. But before he even planted his seed, he had to till the ground. So can you imagine when he's borrowing farm equipment, he's borrowing shovels, and he's getting the ox ready, he's plowing the ground, he's preparing for rain, he's preparing for a, for a blessing, he's preparing for a harvest, and he's working and working and working. I could imagine people laughing. Saying, Isaac, what are you doing? Isaac, what are you thinking? I don't know. I'm just listening to God. It makes no sense, Isaac. There's no rain. There's no water. Nothing's grown here in years, Isaac. Why continue, Isaac? Isaac, stop. Isaac, just go to Egypt. Everyone else is going to Egypt. Isaac, stop. And he says, I can't. Because God told me to plant here. And Isaac gets his family together and he's plowing the field and plowing the field. And this is how I felt as a pastor. We got our family together and we've been plowing the field for 13 years, working hard and tilling the ground. And everyone's looking at us saying, stop it already. Give up already. It's hopeless. David, go somewhere else. Go where it's easier. And I say to you, I can't. Because God told our family to plant here. And we're planting and planting and planting and is in that season of planting. That is the hardest. Because you're working so much but see nothing happen. You're saying, well, well, God, I abandoned my plans and trusted in yours but nothing has happened. And God, I obeyed your word and I'm doing what you say, but nothing has happened because he's in a sowing season. A sowing season is a season where you put in the work. You put in the time. You put in the sleepless nights. You put in the sweat and the tears. And you have to wait for God to respond. You're not going to see anything work out. You're not going to see promise. You're not going to see anything. But God's going to say, "You got? Do you trust me? Do you trust me?" And as he's planting during a famine, I imagine that devil telling him, "Stop." That's why Galatians six nine tells you, "Let's not get tired of doing what is good." That just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't want give up. We all want blessing, amen. You can't give up. And I don't know what area of your life God has called you to sow. He's asking you to sow into a relationship, sow into a marriage, sow into a child, sow into the life of someone that doesn't know Jesus, sow into something, a dream. And you say, well, God, it makes no sense. It's not working. It's not working. And I'm tired. Do you ever just get tired? The reason that you are tired is because God is letting you know you're still in the season of sowing. But harvest is coming. And if you keep sowing, Isaac, and you keep planting, Isaac, and you keep trusting me, Isaac, you're going to see a hundredfold blessing come out of every tear that you've shed because there are tears to be shed when you're sowing. Look at Psalm 126, 5 through 6. Those who what? Plant in tears. What is God telling you? The season of sowing it's so hard, so difficult, so tiring that you cry. And some of you are there right now. You're working towards a dream. You're working towards the vision God gave you. You're working to see someone saved. You're working to see your family healed. You're working to see what God has promised come to fulfillment. You're saying, Pastor, I'm tired. God says, when you plant in tears, those who plant in tears will harvest 
with shouts of joy. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but joy is coming. Joy is coming because you have not given up. You have not followed the crowd, but you have been faithful to where God has placed you. You have been faithful to plant what God has given you. And what keeps me going and continue to go in our church, no matter the famine that is Miami, I will continue to plow. I will continue to plant. I will continue to work and never give up because I know and believe till today, right now, that harvest is coming at Forward Fellowship. I believe that joy is coming. And I don't know who you are this morning, but if Forward Fellowship is your home church, I pray that you plow with me and see what God is going to do because God never lies. And 13 years ago, God told this handsome 23-year-old to plant this church with his family. And there were times that I got my identical twin brother to pretend to be me. I can't deal with people today. There were times that we said, man, is this going to work? There are times that we said, hey, well, what are we thinking? We're planting in tears. Because God said, I have you covered. That's who God is. So no matter what problems come into your life, you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to worry when life is just pouring down pain into your life. You have to know that because God has you covered, you're going to be okay. Come on, give God some praise this morning. You're saying God has you covered. And you want proof that God has you covered. There's no greater proof than Jesus Christ. See, all of us were sinners. All of us are sinners. And then because of our sin, all of us deserve punishment from God. We deserve to go to hell. But God said in His love, He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins and take our place. In fact, Jesus is saying here, you're a sinner that deserves to go to hell, but I died on the cross because I wanted to cover you with forgiveness, cover you with grace, cover you with mercy. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says clearly, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That is why we're baptizing people today. Because it is a symbolism of Christ and us being dead to our old selves and you in Jesus. Amen. But the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, because not everyone is in Jesus Christ. And you can't expect Jesus to cover your sins if you don't want to get in. If you don't want to put your faith and trust. And many people are going to say, well, I can do it on my own. I'm going to do it by my own works. I'm going to do it by my own strength. And you're going to quickly find out you're just going to get ruined. Because all of us, are sinners. And there is no greater testimony to God covering than Jesus Christ on that cross. But like Isaac, it is a choice that you're going to have to make. And when you choose to trust and obey Jesus, you're going to see a hundredfold blessing in your life. 
But my question to you, church, today is will you be in Christ? Let's all stand to pray today. every head bowed and every eye closed. You can respect the people next to you and just not move around right now. But I want to ask you today. I want to ask you today, this morning. Are you living your life with fear? Are you living your life with panic? Maybe you've forgotten that there's a God that has you covered. So my first prayer this morning is for those here today that know without a doubt that they have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That they have asked the Lord to forgive them of their sins. And my prayer for anyone here that knows that without a doubt, you are covered by grace. You are covered by mercy. So don't you live your life again with fear, with worry, with anxiety. Though the problems may come and the hurt may happen, God has you covered. And you need to declare that every time you feel like God has abandoned you, every time you feel like it's over, it's ruined, it's hopeless, God has you covered. You need to tell yourself that today. But maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I have not trusted in the Lord Jesus. But I want to. If you're here this morning, I hope you understand that all of us here are sinners and none of us are perfect in any way. But Jesus Christ died on the cross to cover you from your sin. To remove the shame and the guilt and the punishment that we deserve. And because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, we can say with confidence that if anyone be in Jesus, the old is gone, the new has come. And that is a promise that God wants to give you today. You can have your sins forgiven. You can become a new creation, a new person. And the old you is gone. So I want to lead you in this prayer today. This is you. You're saying, Pastor, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. And if that's you this morning, I want you to put that hand up with every head bowed and every eye closed. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand there. I see your hand there as well. see your hand there. Right where you're at, I want you to pray this with me from your heart today. Just say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins, past, present, and future. And today I ask you to be the Lord of my life. And I'm choosing to surrender to you and serve you all the days of my life. Father, I ask that you forgive me as I surrender to you in Jesus' name. And if you're here this morning, I want to pray for those that say, Pastor, I am a Christian. I am a born-again believer. But I'm living with fear. I don't live like a someone that knows that God has them covered. And I feel like life is just pouring down rain on me, pouring down problems, pouring down stress, pouring down anxiety, pouring out discouragement. And I don't know how much I can take. And pastor, I'm sowing and sowing and sowing, but I'm tired and I'm tired 
and I'm tired and I want to quit. But today, you've reminded me that God has me covered. And I'm going to be okay. If that's you today, you're saying, Pastor, I'm going through it. Would you put your hand up today? God bless you. God bless you there as well. You there all around the room today. Let me pray for you to dismiss. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person here that's going through something. I thank you, Father, for those who confessed, Lord, and declared you to be Lord of their life today. But I also pray for those here today that are tired. And God, you have given them a dream, you have given them a vision, but their lives are just being poured upon right now with problems. Father, I pray for strength. And I pray for that person here today that just needs to be still and know that you're God. Father, I pray that you give them the strength to let go and trust in you. And we pray for miracles. We pray for healing. We pray for a hundredfold blessing. And we thank you, Lord, that you have us covered. So no matter what may come into our lives, you can still bless. You can still do the impossible. You can still work. And Father, I thank you for our church. For 13 years, you've had us covered. For 13 years, we've pushed forward. You had us covered when we had nowhere to go. You had us covered when we didn't know how to make rent. You had us covered, Lord, through problems and problematic people. You've had us covered in hard times, difficult times. Impossible times. You've led up, up to this point for 13 years. I thank you, Lord, for having us covered. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise today. You guys can have a seat. I want to thank you all for being here today.